Hello, credit union executives. Welcome to See You on the Show, where we give you up-to-date information on how you can reduce risk, keep key talent, and take a strategic approach to your personal financial wellness. Hosted by me, Doug English, a certified financial planner and former credit union insider with ACT Advisors. My guest today is Phil Westoff. Phil leads Stearns Financial's Qualified Plan Advisory Group, where he helps credit unions create custom qualified retirement plans to help attract and retain the best talent while protecting the fiduciaries in a cost-effective manner. In this episode, we talk about strategies to help your employees save for retirement, what to consider when choosing the target date fund suite for your plan, and why, as an executive, you should rethink your 401k strategy if you're mostly investing in target date funds. Hey, Phil, to tell me a bit about how you got into working with credit unions and what really stood out about credit unions uh, to you. Well, so when I was looking for a new opportunity, I met with Eric Stearns, who runs Stearns Financial, and he discussed some of the challenges that credit unions have. And uh, when I did my own research, I found that uh, credit unions have, for their 401k plans, the fifth highest participation rate out of 48 industries but they are the 41st in average account balance and 43rd in deferral percentage. That seems like a huge gap. It seems like there's a real need for credit unions to be potentially educated more, both on the plan sponsor level and on the participant level. So I want to make sure I understand what that means. What what the fifth highest in participation. So what does that mean? They're doing a good job with getting people into the plan. Exactly. Yep. So they're doing a great job, whether it's with automatic enrollment or just letting them know about the plan. Plus, they're in the financial services industry, so they, they probably understand it's important to, to get involved with the, the company 401k plan. All right. And then the next uh, metric was about 40%. That That's their average participation level as far as how much they're putting in. Is that what it was? Yeah, exactly. How much, what's the, what's the deferral percentage? So for credit union employees, on average, it's 5.9%. On overall industry, it's 7.1%. And the average account balance across all industries is a little bit over 100000 now. And for credit union employees, it's close to 60000 So there's a big gap there. So they're doing a great job getting into the plan, but there's something that's not allowing them to, to save enough for what they need in retirement. Yeah. I mean, generally, I know when we run financial analysis for folks, you know, that old rule of thumb, right? You need the 60 to 70% of your pre-retirement earnings you need to have in retirement to be able to have a, a, a reasonable lifestyle. And 5 to 6% contribution rate to the 401k is probably not going to get you there. Probably not. Yeah. So the rule of thumb in a 401k plan was trying to get to that 10 to 15% range between what the employees putting in and what the employer is putting in. So there's some uh, room for improvement for sure. Do you have a, a an inkling as to what might be the cause of that gap? Yeah. So my, my impression is lacking a little bit in the plan design features. Plan design typically is the number one thing that's going to push people to save more. That means they might be doing automatic enrollment, but are they setting their automatic enrollment at 3% or where the, the rest of the industry has kind of moved to maybe 6 7% with 
automatic increase program set in place. The other thing I've noticed is 80% of plan credit union plan sponsors, they've been with the same record keeper for over seven years, which is far and away the highest in the industry. And I, I don't think it's smart to continue to jump from record keeper to record keeper. But if you stay with the same record keeper for a long time, maybe the costs are a little bit higher and maybe they're not getting the attention that they probably need. Hmm. Yeah, it's it's uh, frustrating that you have to change to get attention. That's not how it should work. Right. Uh, <laughs> I totally agree. But it's almost like working with a the cable company or your, your phone provider. Sometimes you have to make that switch to get the, the intro rate or whatever it might be. But there, there has <laughs> to be some kind of movement to create uh, those lower costs. Interesting. So you said that the idea might be to raise the automatic enrollment percentage and also maybe raise the automatic increase percentage. Yeah. So if you look back 10, 15 years ago, automatic enrollment was kind of a new thing. So, and there were plan sponsors are kind of hesitant to automatically put their participants in the plan. So they'll, they'll do it at 3%. It's something that's not going to be a huge impact. And that stuck around for a long time. But in the past five, six years, we've gotten a little bit smarter about it. And most participants aren't balking at 6 7 8% for automatic enrollment. Once you get above that, they might opt out. But putting them at 6 or 7% is, is totally doable. I don't think many people will opt out. And then you put an auto increase program at it, maybe 1% every year on your birthday or some specific time. And that'll get you to that 10 to 15% goal. So. Yeah, that, I think that would be in their interest. Whether or not they like it is another matter. Right. Uh, <laughs> that, <laughs> yeah. would be, that would be in their interest. So let, let's uh, shift gears a little bit and talk about the presence of target date funds in a 401ks. Talk to me a bit about the utilization of them and, and that subject. Yeah, so the I guess the new studies or new, uh, I guess, white papers out there are showing that Almost 80% of plan participants have all or some of their money in a target date fund. So it's really important from the plan sponsor's perspective to get what suite they have available to the participants right. And I have found over the years when I consult and work with credit union executives and plan sponsors that the target date suite that they have available oftentimes is the same as the record keeper. So if they're with principal, it's the principal target date suite. It's fidelity. It's a fidelity target date suite. And it's usually because they get a, a maybe a little less cost for the plan. But obviously, you didn't go through a process to evaluate, choose that one. It's the right one, right? So I, I just think it's really important to have some type of process to figure out which target date suite is best for your employees and have it documented as a fiduciary. So let, let's dig into that a bit. So 80% of dollars in 401k plans have some kind of uh, participation in a target date fund. And I, I know from when I see folks, the way they've built their 401ks, they often make unusual combos, right? They'll buy a, a 20, 30 fund and then combine that with whichever three stock funds made the most last uh, year, right? <laughs> yep. I've also seen the uh, 20% in the 2035 20% in the 2045, 20% in 2055, thinking they're being diversified. But in reality, they're kind of taking away from the goal of those target date funds. Yeah. Now, the target date funds come in different flavors, too. Can you talk a bit about those? Yeah. So 
when you're thinking about target date funds, you really got to think about the glide path. And glide path means how and when the equity to bond ratio changes. So some target date funds, for example, BlackRock Index Lifetime Fund is really popular. And that starts out at almost 99% stocks. And it's far away the most aggressive starting off. And then you might look at Fidelity, which is an active management. Uh, they start at 85%. And their end goal at retirement at 65 or 67 is going to be way different. It could be 60, 40 stocks to bonds or 40, 60 stocks to bonds. So I see a lot of times organizations or plan sponsors comparing the two against each other as far as returns are concerned. And they obviously can't do that when the equity exposure is so, so much different. How would you guide a plan sponsor to select between the various target date fund providers? Yeah, so that's a great question. And it's, it's a difficult one to answer because you really have to have a pulse of your employee base of are they big savers? Is your employee base uh, going to have money outside of what they have in their 401k? Or is what they have in their 401k likely going to be their only retirement savings? So if your employee base might have retirement savings in an IRA or a pension with another company or something along those lines, then the target date fund that has more equities at retirement might make more sense because it gives you more growth in retirement for those 20 years that you're going to live past retirement, thinking that you've got other sources of income coming in. If you're on the, the flip side of it, your employee base is probably, this is all they have saved, then they might need liquidity at retirement. So something that's more conservative makes more sense. Yeah, and it sounds like a real education challenge, whichever one of those you do choose as an organization, then uh, educating your employees about how they work, because they all look the same on the cover, right? It's all a 2025 fund or a 2035 fund. Right. Well, and, and that's the tricky part is education is really important for the employees and the, and the plan sponsor because they're obviously going to look at the, the, all the different target date funds out there and be like, well, this one's performing better. This one's cheaper. Why don't we go with this one? Well, they're, they're not thinking about the risk-adjusted returns. They're not thinking about the longevity of the target date suite. So it's, uh, it's educating everybody about target date funds and how they differ from a normal mutual fund. In looking at sometimes under the cover of the target date funds, I think it's interesting. One of the uh, major providers in the, in the 401k uh, industry for credit unions, I, I've had the opportunity to, to look at their standard lineup and they have a variety of, uh, of funds that are, are okay, tend to be their brand. Right. Uh, but then if you look in the target date fund, there are a whole bunch of non-proprietary funds, funds from other providers and actually much better funds. Right. So the surface of the target date fund is interesting, but the inside can be a whole different world. Yep. So when you think about so a record keeper, they know that 60 to 80% of flows are going into target date funds. So that's all they care about getting in the lineup. So Fidelity wants their freedom funds in there. Principal wants their freedom funds in there. Go ahead, put whatever else you want for the rest of the lineup because money's not flowing into those investments. So they're, they're really pushing those. And it's easy for a plan sponsor to say, well, yeah, why not? Target date funds are target date funds. We're going to get a lower, lower cost on our record keeping services. Let's do it. But I think in the long run, it might end up hurting the, the plan participants going that route. Now let's uh, shift again to focus on the executive suite of, of credit unions. Do you have any data around 
uh, participation rates for the executive suite or uh, uh, contribution rates or utilization, any of that kind of thing that's specific to that senior area? I don't have anything broken down specifically, but I will say that most credit union plans I've seen are what they call safe harbor plans, which makes me think that these executives are looking to put away as much as they can. So their participation rate will tend to be a little bit higher or deferral percentage will be a little bit higher as well. So as far as whether or not they're investing in target date funds or not, I'd imagine quite a, quite a few of them are. Whether that's the right way to go or not, I'm not sure. But yeah, I, I would imagine that they're, they're in the target date funds just like everybody else. Yeah, I mean, for I think the idea potentially makes sense. The idea of a whole portfolio instead of leaving it to the participant to design a portfolio that they're really not suited to design, right? right. And then to have it automatically change because most participants will put the money in there and then go back to working or go back right. to... Uh, to doing whatever they're doing and just never really pay attention to it, never really adjust it again, right? Exactly. Yep. Say, but for the executive suite, what I think is very significant and, and different is, again, when we do the analysis for their outcomes, the 401k is often a minority of their retirement income. Sure. Yep. And so uh, I would guide the executives to kind of look at it in a completely different way. In your description of the various target date funds, some of them are more conservative, and that would be maybe more appropriate for rank and file employees that are completely relying on that to replace their income. That makes total sense to me. But the executives, hopefully, have the collateral assignment split dollar plan, maybe a 457B plan. And as you probably know, the, the 457B is subject to the, uh, the risk of the employer, right? That's part of their, uh, their credit spectrum. And so um, most of the time, that 457B is going to get paid out within the first year or two, right? Absolutely. And, you know, those split dollar plans, a lot of them are going to be tax-free distributions. So keeping those 401k dollars in there as long as possible wouldn't make total sense in that situation, which would make you think that plan should be a little bit more aggressively invested. Exactly. That's exactly what I see. It's not unusual to see an executive come out of a credit union at 62, see them live on personal savings, a bonus, annual leave, sick leave from 63 to 64, something like that. And of course, the 457B also pays out in that, that period of time. And then they turn on the collateral assignment which provides this uh, wonderful tax-free income stream, and they don't have any need for that 401k right. until 70, 72, depending on what the rule is by that time. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that RMD. And, yep. and I agree very much that if they follow the rule of thumb and use a target date fund for retirement age, they're almost, they're very likely to be not getting as much potential return as they should. And in fact, I'll be interested in your take on this, but our generally our guidance is, is to take your new money going into your 401k and put that new money in the most aggressive target date fund offered by the plan. I think it makes complete sense, especially the way you laid it out, those executives having all those different benefits coming. Why, why wouldn't you? It makes sense to me. And kind of treating your retirement date, quote unquote, as 15, 20 years past your actual retirement date. 
Yeah, well, the, the new money going in is just designed to benefit from dollar cost averaging and all the variability. Yeah. And then the idea is to annually take from that more aggressive account and go into a more traditional 60-40 blend or something like that where you're protecting your principal and just going maximum risk with new money only. Yep, I agree with that. I think it makes total sense. And that's that's why education is so important. In a credit union, we have two kind of groups of, of people, the executives and everybody else. And um, everybody's important in that credit union. It's all, everybody needs the guidance appropriate for their situation. So they're not one, one size fits all, all plans. Yeah, you need to have the plan, have the the best results it can with the lowest cost it can. And it sounds like that's a constantly moving target. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Is there any anything new in uh, plan design or coming in plan design that you can uh, talk about? One thing that I've been hearing quite a bit about, and it's going to be specific on how your plan is set up, is the mega Roth feature that could benefit executives. So in a situation where an executive is looking for more ways to save Roth money, you can set up a 401k plan with an after-tax option. So in a 401k plan, you know that you can have a, a Roth 401k contribute up to the maximum level. So if you're over 50, you've got the, the regular and, and then the catch-up contributions. Once you hit that limit, you can't do any more Roth or, or pre-tax money. But if you have an after-tax option in your 401k plan, you can put in an additional $20,000, of after-tax money and immediately convert it to Roth before it has any, any gains on it. Nice. That way you have potentially dollars $40,000 in Roth, Roth money. So that, that is the new hot topic. Now, unfortunately, a lot of the small plans, they, they do not have that set up in their, their 401k plan. But I think that's something that's going to happen quite quite a bit going forward. And record keepers are going to be kind of pressed to make it available. And I've already seen some that are doing it. I, I want to uh, feed that back to make sure I got it right. Yeah. So you are, again, you're in the executive suite, you're contributing the maximum to the traditional 401k, let's say, because that's what most folks do. And then you contribute another 22000 in an after-tax account that goes into the 401k, same investments in the 401k, but not taken out of your paycheck pre-tax. Is that all right? Correct. So it's all coming out of your paycheck, but after-tax, yes. Okay. And then each year, you make a conversion distribution from the 401k into your personal Roth. Is that how it works? So there's two options. So you, if your plan allows for in-service distributions, you can roll it into your Roth IRA. Or some 401k plans allow a Roth conversion. So you keep it in your 401k plan and you convert it from after tax into the Roth. Oh, that would be better just for from simplicity standpoint, right? To do it right within the plan. Yep. Love that idea. Now, of course, I'm sure you know that uh, part of the uh, proposed rules from the Biden administration are a uh, complete change in the way we deduct contributions to the 401k. So, you know, right now you contribute pre-tax, it goes in at your full effective rate. If this proposal passes, 26% 
would be the maximum credit you would get for a contribution. So if you're in a 39% bracket, you're only going to get a, a credit effectively at a 26% rate, meaning that when you file your taxes, you would have to pay additional tax on the spread between your effective rate, 39% potentially, right. and the 26% cap. So if that passes, I believe that our guidance to our credit union executives is going to be switch all to Roth. Right. Yep. I would agree. And I, I hope that doesn't pass it. First off, it well, it doesn't make any sense. It's complicated. And secondly, I, I it, it's just going to, it's going to make it more difficult to reach retirement goals. And it's difficult for executives and folks that are making more money to save enough for retirement. And that's just going to make it harder. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Phil. Thank you for the insights, uh, for helping the uh, leaders of the credit union movement. Any uh, final thoughts for our listeners? No, I'm just uh, very happy to be on the podcast with you today. Uh, I've really enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, check us out on stearns.financial. That's where you'll find us. And thanks. Thank you, Phil. Have a great rest of your day. You too. Bye. That's all the insider credit union knowledge we have for this episode. Can't wait for the next episode? We're always available through our website at act-advisors.com. That's act-advisors.com. See you next time and see you on the show. The opinions voiced in this material are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual security. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Economic forecasts set forth may not develop as predicted. All performance referenced is historical and is no guarantee of future results. Indexes are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly.